Which of the two did what his father wanted? The first they answered. Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. Matthew 21, verse 31. All right, hello and welcome once again back to the Legion of Michael podcast. I am your host, Paul Markle. Thank you very much for joining me, for joining us as we progress throughout this learning, throughout this program that we call the Legion of Michael. Now, the Legion of Michael is not just a standalone podcast, in case you stumbled across this accidentally or you were just curious. Legionofmichael.com is where you're supposed to go. It's where you should go to access the distance learning, the home study program, the Legion of Michael Church Security Distance Learning Program. It's a fully immersive training course, and it is available to you and you and you. And uh, you can access it by simply clicking the link in the show notes, going to legionofmichael.com. And I hope all of you have done that. If you haven't, well, you really should. And also, of course, if you like this show, well, first of all, if you like this show, you should share it with at least one other human. Uh, Don't be stingy. Don't be selfish. Let other people know about it. And uh, you can click the link that is in the show notes and you can support this show. Yes, you can. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, if you are a hip Christian, if you know your Bible, well, you know that the verse... Uh, Matthew 21, 31 is part of the parable of the two sons. Now, the parable of the two sons is often confused with the parable of the prodigal son, though the two stories are actually very similar. The parable of the two sons goes a little something like this. Allow me a moment to sip some coffee. Mm -mm. Yummy coffee. All right, it begins uh, Matthew uh, 21, Verse 28, but what do you think? And this is Christ speaking to his disciples. But what do you think? A man had two sons, and he came to the first and said, Son, go work in the vineyard. But he replied, I do not want to. Yet after, he regretted it, and he went. And the man came to his second son and said the same thing, and he replied, I will, sir. And yet he did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said, the first. Jesus said to them, truly, I say to you that the tax collectors and prostitutes will get into the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in a way of righteousness, and you did not believe him, but the tax collectors and the prostitutes did believe him. And you, seeing this, did not even have second thoughts afterward so as to believe him. Matthew verses 21, 28 to 32. You say, well, what? What's that all about? Now, obviously, it it means that he's talking about uh, not just a prodigal son, but a son who's like, "Uh, no, I don't want to do that. 
And then after a bit, he thinks about it, and he's like, well, yeah, I really should go. And he gets up off his butt, and he goes, and he does his father's work. And then there are the other ones that say, oh, yeah, I'm going to do that. But they're all words. They're all talk. They do nothing. He said that the prostitutes and the tax gatherers will get into heaven before them. Who's he talking to? Well, he's talking to the Jews. He's talking to the people who are supposed to know better, the ones who talk the talk, the ones who go out in public and and proudly they prayed in public and they put on the you know the airs and and they they when it was uh, what did Christ say he was talking about uh, when they when they fasted they were all dirty and and so forth so everyone would know that they were fasting and on the outside it seemed like they were faithful people but on the inside they weren't doing the job they weren't doing what they were supposed to do now, the reason I bring this up is because, well, my the title of this is, Where Are You Now? Where are you now? When it comes to the parable of the two sons, it's not so important where you were, but where you are and where you're going. You may be listening to me and you might be thinking, oh, yeah, I, I'm not even, I'm not worthy to be part of a Legion of Michael because you don't know me, man. I I grew up and I I was I did bad things, or maybe I wasn't just when I was growing up. Maybe it was just recently I did bad things. I did sinful things. I engaged in sinful behavior. Okay, that's where you were. Where are you now? By this one simple little parable of the two sons, what Christ is saying is not so much as to where you were, that's important, it's where you are and where you're heading. Were you a tax gatherer? Were you a prostitute? <laughs> tax gatherers and prostitutes, tax collectors and prostitutes are kind of this kind of one and the same, aren't they? Uh, generally, they they we find them in government. But uh, where are you now? Where are you going? And that's a, a question that we can only answer for ourselves. But I think it's important to talk about. And and it, this doesn't always have to be horrible, terrible, damning sin. Sometimes it can just be, oh, uh, I don't feel like it. How many times have you had the, I know that I should go whatever. I should go out and I should help my neighbor. I should take my family to church. I should do this. I should do that. But the, the lazy you gets in the way or the obstinate you, or whatever gets in the way, and, and you don't. And, and, but then you have second thoughts, and you're like, you know what? I should do that. Yes, I should. I know I should, and you, even though initially, initially you didn't, or initially you had hesitation, or initially lazy you took over, and lazy you was getting in your way, and you said, uh, no, it's... I should do that. And you get up and you go do it. Now, you know that if you do the right thing, even after initially you had that lazy feeling or you had that I don't want to or I can't be bothered or this is going to inconvenience me or whatever, you take a deep breath and you sit down and you're like, all right, let me get my pants on. Let me get my boots on. Let me get my boots and my pants on and I'll go out and I'll take care of that. I'll do whatever needs to be done. Have you ever done that? Have you ever been in that position where initially you decide you weren't going to do it? I'm not doing that. I don't want to. It's annoying. I don't don't feel like it. 
then a little time goes by and you're like, mm, all right, I know I need to do that. So what do you do? You go out and you get it done. Whatever the task is, whatever the job is, whatever the requirement was, you get dressed, you put your boots on, you go out and you do it. And how did you feel afterwards? Did you regret it? Did you regret changing your mind and going out and putting in the work, the effort, the whatever? Or were you glad that you did? Well, unless you're a sociopath. (laughs) I use that every once in a while. Uh, Unless you're a sociopath, you probably, if you're like a normal human, after you changed your mind and went out and accomplished the task, you probably were felt good about yourself. You're probably glad that you did, weren't you? Yes. You're like, oh, I know, Paul, I know. That's why these stories are there for us in the Bible. That's why they're there. That's why our fathers and our mothers, that's why they give us advice, even though when we're a young person, maybe we're you know in elementary school or maybe we're in high school or you know junior high or whatever, our parents give us advice. Our parents tell us stories. Our parents tell us parables. And oftentimes, when our parents are telling us these stories or these parables or they're giving us these life lessons, we are not in a position to appreciate them. You know, you're 13, 14, 15, 18, whatever, and you, you listen to your dad, and your dad tells you a story or a tale or whatever, and you're like, okay, old man, you don't understand. I'm 18 years old. I'm the smartest creature on planet Earth. <laughs> the chemicals that are flowing through my veins, the the testosterone, etc., all that stuff that's flowing through my veins has convinced me that I'm the smartest human on planet Earth. Were you the smartest human on planet Earth when you were 18? Mm, I'm going to say probably no. You probably thought you were, but you weren't. But time goes by, and if you are a thoughtful, intelligent person, time will go by, and there will come a time when the parables, when the stories, when the advice that your parents gave you will have meaning, and you'll have the mental capacity to understand them and to embrace them. That very thing happened to me. And I don't even remember it to this day. I don't remember the specific topic. But I do remember being 20 or 21 years old. I was in the Marine Corps then. I was active duty in the Marine Corps. And I remember that a circumstance arose. And when that circumstance arose, I recalled, I remembered the advice that my father had given me. And he had given me that advice years prior, probably when I was, you know, in high school sometime. And when he had given me that advice, I'm sure I nodded my head or rolled my eyes or whatever, and it just kind of, it went back into the files. It went back into the memory banks. But then, like a a well-planted seed, it sprouted. And years later, it meant something to me. Years later... I realized that my father wasn't so silly after all. My father was actually pretty wise. And I called him on the phone. That's what we used to do. We used to actually pick up these things. Generally, they were black and they were attached to a cord. Uh, And I called my dad and I told him, I said, you know, I don't know if you remember telling me this or giving me this piece of advice, but you did. And I wanted to let you know that that advice, that it, it, 
came into fruition, that I was able to use it, that I encountered this situation and I remembered your advice and it helped. It eased, it eased the situation. It made it better. It made me, it helped me to better deal with that situation. And that may, may be a position in which you're in. You get advice, you hear stories, parables. Christ gave us numerous parables. And as a little kid, when you went to Sunday school, you know, you, you learned about the parable of the sower. You learned about the parable of the prodigal son. And you learned about the parable of the two sons and, and, and you know, the good Samaritan and so on and so forth. You learned all these parables when you're a little kid. And when you're a little kid, you, you generally don't have the need to apply any of that advice. I mean, you're just being a kid. You're going to school and you're playing with your friends and, you know, you are you like whatever it is you like, baseball or horses or, you know, I don't know, Pokemon cards or whatever. And you say, well, we, t- we tell all these parables to kids, you know, but, but the kids don't really need them. They don't need them when they're eight, nine years old. They don't need them when they're seven years old. No, they, they probably don't. You know, when a kid is seven years old, the only thing he should have to worry about is which which one of the toys is his favorite toy, you know? They don't need to worry about the burdens of the world. But that only lasts for a short amount of time, doesn't it, folks? The The innocence of, of childhood only lasts for a short amount of time. And then we, we grow up, you know, we're teenagers and we're kicking at the stall doors and we cannot wait to get out on our own and be our own boss and make our own decisions. And then that's a position we end up in. We become our own boss. We have to make our own decisions. We have to deal with the problems of the world. And fortunately, because our Heavenly Father loves us, he has given us a cushion. He's given us an airbag. He's given us a fallback. You see, when your children, when they're learning all those parables, when they're learning those stories, it's not necessarily, or they don't necessarily need them at that moment in time. But as they grow and as they get older, they do. And this is one of them, the parable of the two sons. Sometimes when we fail, whether it's a prodigal son or one of the sons, the son who refused to go to the vineyard, sometimes when we fail, we feel really bad about ourselves. Sometimes when we allow that lazy guy to take over, uh, you know, like, oh, I don't want to do that. I know I said I was going to or everybody expects me to, but I don't want to. I'm annoyed. I'm not going to do it. And maybe it's, you know, maybe it's not just hours. Maybe it's days. Maybe it's weeks. I don't know. And then we start to feel bad about ourselves. We're like, wow, I am just a piece of crap. I am, I've got to be, you know, there's times we judge ourselves. We look at ourselves like, wow, I should have done that. And I am just a giant piece of crap for not doing that. But then you remember, you go back to the parables, you go back to the gospel, you go back to the stories that Christ gave us. And you take a second, you're like, you know what? I'm not really all that different from that son, from the son who said, yeah, no, I'm not going to go. I don't want to. I don't feel like it. But then later on, changed his mind. He said, did his father say, oh, you don't want to go? Well, then now you're disowned. I hate you. I hate you forever. No, no, obviously not. And Christ said, it's better off for you to have a change of heart and return and come back than to say, sure, I'll do that, and then not. I'm sure that you all have friends 
or acquaintances or you, there's someone in your life who is the, yeah, let's do that. Or sure, I'll do that. And then they never do. How many, which, which friend would you rather have in your life? Would you rather have the stubborn friend who you say, hey, let's do this. And they're like, no, that's dumb. That's a dumb idea. I don't want to do that. And then a few days later, or even a few weeks later, or months later, they come around. They're like, "Yeah, this is a good idea. Let's go ahead and get that done." <laughs> I have a, I have a few of those friends. I have a few of those friends who, you know, who, who initially they're like, "No, that's a, no, not going to do that. No interest in that. Not, not so ever. You know, no interest whatsoever." I say, "Okay, all right, cool." And then, oh, look at that. It's, it's been a couple of months, and look who's doing exactly what I suggested that we do. <laughs> You've got, I've got those friends, and then I have other acquaintances who initially you bring up a subject or a topic or, or a task, you're like, hey, we should do this, and I'm like, absolutely we should. That is a fantastic idea. I wholeheartedly endorse that. Let's do that. And then you check in with them a week later, and you're like, hey, we, are we doing this? Oh, well, no. Or you find out that they said they would do something. They're like, yep, I'm going to do that. I'll get that done for you. Don't worry about it. And two weeks later, it's not done. Which of those friends would you rather have? Which of those people would you rather have in your life? Would you rather have the guy? Now, of course, what you want is in the perfect world is you want the person who says, yes, let's do that, and then immediately gets to it and gets it done. That's the one you want. But in you know, given the choice, if you only had the two, would you rather have the one who initially says, nah, no, not interested, not going to do that, but then comes around and does it? Or would you have the one who says, I mean, we all have those people in our lives who say whatever it is they think we want to hear. They're like car salesmen. They're like used car salesmen. They will say whatever it is that they think you want to hear. Doesn't matter what they actually plan to do. Doesn't matter how they actually feel about it. Whatever it is that they think you want to hear, boy, they'll say it. That's a that's an awesome tie. Where did you get that tie? I'd like to have a tie like that. Like, really? Yeah, you could you could go check in on them every day for a year and they would never have a tie like that because they don't care about the tie. They just told you they liked your tie because they think that's what you want to hear. That's like son number two. Father says, hey, go work in the vineyard. He's like, all right, rock on. I'm on it. Then he goes and does something else completely because he's just saying what you want to hear. Which of those people do you want in your life? You want the people that are uh, kind of a little bit stubborn, uh, but then they come around? Or you want the guy who initially tells you whatever he thinks you want to hear and then just forgets about it, takes off, goes does what they're going to do anyway? Now, most of you are probably like, well, you know, I'd like to have the first one because that's how we get things done, right? The second guy, the one who's, who will tell you or say whatever it is they think you want to hear, that's not how you get things done. You don't get things done with words, outward appearances, with show. You get things done by rolling up your sleeves and doing the actual work. And sometimes you and I, sometimes we're a little bit stubborn. Sometimes we're a little bit annoyed. Sometimes we're a little bit lazy. And we don't jump in and do what we should be doing right off the bat. But 
if we're good and faithful servants, if we're good and faithful children of God, we will do it. We will repent or recant. And you don't have to look in the mirror and say you're the most horrible, worst person in the world because you didn't jump right out and do it. Did you do it? Where are you now? Not where were you, but where are you? Where are you now? I want you to think about that. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for being with me for the Legion of Michael. I appreciate your attention and patience today. I'm glad that you were here. Please share this with somebody else. And uh, unless you're driving or on the treadmill, bow your head and fold your hands and join me in the warrior's prayer. Lord, I come before you seeking the strength and the skill to overcome my enemies. Grant me, I pray, the wisdom to recognize evil, the courage to confront it, and the strength to destroy it. In Jesus' name I pray this. Amen. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.